Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here on this July 4th weekend here at uh, the Colonial Heights campus, also out there at our Midlothian campus. Of course, we kind of involved July 4th activities in last Sunday's uh, service, not as much today, but uh, sure glad again that you're here. Hope you've had a wonderful weekend. Has this weather just been incredible? Man, thank you, Lord, huh? Thank the Lord. Hey, beautiful out there. So exciting to be able to have a weekend like this and sure glad you're making the worship the Lord a a part of your weekend uh, right now. I don't know about y'all, but once it hits July 5th, I'm ready for October. We just end summer on July 5th and I'm I'm good to go. This is when we enter the dead of summer, right? But I tell you what, things are sure not going to be dead uh, around here. We have so many things coming up in July. Be praying about, maybe see how you'd want to be involved with our vacation Bible school coming up, youth camps, children camps, of course, the the do something program. Uh, What a great way to do what we say we're here to do, and that's to impact our community, our world for Christ uh, in all of these things. Well, folks, I have been in, in ministry now over, over 20 years, pressing on toward 25, actually. And in my profession, just like in your profession, you know, when you've been there a certain amount of years, there's certain things you've just started to do over and over, right? There, there are certain things you've done a whole lot of. Well, well, in the ministry, there are some things we do a lot of that you don't do a lot of, don't want to do a lot of. For instance, I do a lot of funerals. Nobody wants to sign up for that, do they? Yeah, I mean, I've done over, I, I don't know the exact number, but well over a hundred funerals. And you can just imagine with that many deaths, kind of covered the whole gamut of things. You know, I mean, there, there's the obvious things. I've, I've buried male and female, young and old, uh, rich and poor. I've buried believers. I've buried unbelievers. Uh, I, I've done this for those who went through kind of, I mean, y'all, y'all have all been there. You've got family, friends, you know, the, kind of the long, sometimes painful death. Uh, and then those that were sudden and tragic. Uh, I've done this with murder. I've done this with suicide. Of course, a whole bunch just with natural ca- causes. Just kind of covered that, that whole realm. And, and of course, when you, you get all of those kinds of things, you, you get the whole range of emotions, don't you? I mean, I mean I've seen emotions just wildly out of control. We had a funeral. We had to peel a woman off the casket. Family and friends, she's screaming. It was, it was like, not many times am I like this. This one time I said, I don't know what to do, y'all. Figure that out, man. But that at that level, all the way down to the almost strangely absent, any kind of emotions and everything in between. But you don't get too shocked by that. You don't get too judgmental of it because you know you're walking into a moment. It's, it's filled with grief. It's, it's filled with emotion. Anything can happen. It's one of those moments where you just start to expect the unexpected. And, and yet, after all of these years and all of those funerals, there, there is still something that can surprise me. There, there's one thing, where, one thing where I go, you're kidding me. Now, of course, none of you did this. I'm not talking about any of y'all. Okay, promise, kind it, of. It, it's when you come into that moment of grief. And, and, and why is this when you, when you see people that, now again, there's some assumptions being made here, but you know, the, these are believers. They, they've been at this for a long time. They've been in church. They've, they've been a student of God's word. And, and yet somehow when we hit that moment of grief, folks, it's just like our theology flies out the window. Everything we've ever understood, said we believe, it just, it's gone into the stratosphere. 
And we just start grabbing after every kind of crazy idea we've ever heard. Now, you know my favorite, right? I bring it up every time the subject allows me to. My, my little pet peeve in life. You know, you're standing there at the hospital, at the funeral home, at, at the graveside. And sooner or later, somebody's going to say, well, they, they've gone to be an angel. And I'll tell you something. I'm, I'm guilty of st- standing like a bobblehead. But inside, I'm screaming, no, they're not. No, they've not gone to be an angel. Not today, not at any time. And that's okay. That's not the prize. That's not the goal. God never said, not one place, not one word, not one sentence, anywhere, anything like, we go to become an angel. Okay, I'm over that. I mean, seriously, goodness gracious. But, but you know what, though? I, I'm telling you, I've watched it, I've observed it. All these things we believe, we take, and we hit that moment, and phew, it's gone. It, it, it's gone. At, at a time, it seems like we, we should most be anchoring to the truth. You know what, folks? Right answers can be a tremendous source of peace, a great source of comfort when we have lost somebody we love, when we are going through the, the depths of, of those emotions. Right answers can be a great source of hope and courage as we're dealing with questions of our own death and, and what's going to happen to us. You know, folks, what's interesting, it is God, not me. It's God who links theology and grieving. It's God who puts together information and knowledge with walking through grief. Let, let me show you where he does this. Turn with me to, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Kind of in the back half of your New Testament. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. Get to Timothy. You've gone too far. 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to look at verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13. It says there, But we do not want you to be uninformed. You know what I love about our God, folks? He wants us to know. We, we saw that last week too, didn't we? We said, hey, God wants you to know whether you're a child of God, whether you're going to heaven. He doesn't say, well, you know, you get there and you find out. No, right now, he wants you to have confidence. He wants you to have security. He wants you to know. Today, we come to another passage. Hey, listen, I don't want you to be in the dark on this. I, I don't want you to be, to be ignorant of this. Man, there's so many presentations of God in our world that are about mystery and codes and the secrets and, and only what a precious few get insight to. Man, I open my word and over and over and over, God saying, hey, listen, I want you to understand. I want you to know. And when it comes to death, God says, hey, listen, I, I don't want you to be on the dark on this. I want you to understand what's happening about brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others uh, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now, there's kind of a tricky thing happening here. What did it just say? It says, when we've died, God's going, when Jesus comes back, we're going to come with him. Did you just see that? God is going to, Jesus is coming back and God is going to bring with him those who've died. Say, we're, we're with the Lord and we're coming back to this earth with Jesus. But now let's read a little bit further. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. That'll be a moment, won't it? Amen. Yeah. Let's just praise God for that right there. Just that piece of information right there. No matter what happens this week, we're still going to this day right here, right? Amen. Verse 17. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So on one hand, it says we're coming with the Lord. And then the other hand, it says that the dead in Christ rise first. Well, well, well which is it? Are, are we coming back with the Lord or, or, or are we in the ground to be resurrected? The answer is yes. That's what we're talking about this morning. If that sounds confusing, we're getting there. Now look at verse 18, folks. What a, what a powerful thing. Therefore, encourage one another. Now that's where we stop because this is a pretty common Bible command. This is a pretty common New Testament among, hey, encourage, be encouraging, be hopeful with one another. But it finishes and it says with these words. And do you see what it's saying there, folks? Hey, listen, when, when we're hurting, drive each other to the truth. Drive each other to theology. Drive each other to knowledge when you're hurting. Encourage each other with these words right here. Now, a couple quick observations. Actually, 1 Thessalonians 4 is not not the focus of our study this morning, but I don't want to leave here without just a couple of quick ideas. Number one, God wants us to know, right? Okay, as we come to death, we, we don't have a reason to say, man, I don't know what happens. Listen, you need to know what happens. You need to take notes. You need to write down the verses today. You need to go home and look it up. You you need to become familiar with it. You should be able to explain to your children, to your grandchildren. You should be able to explain to somebody at work. Hey, listen, the Bible's mapped this out for this. We know exactly what is going on. We know exactly what's going to happen. Let's not be, in a biblical way, stupid. Amen? Okay, I'm over that too. Number two. Okay, second thing we need to see is you can read through that verse and and it might catch you wrong. It says, I don't want you to grieve like those who have no hope. The passage did not say, I don't want you to grieve. Folks, it's not a sin to hurt. It's not a sin to say, this is is awful. I I don't like what has happened and I don't like the way I feel about it. It's not a sin. It's not a lack of faith to hurt. Grief in this world is very real. Grief in this world is very possible. What God said is, man, listen, as you go through that, I don't want you to have to go through it without hope. I I, I don't want you to have to go through that like those who don't know me have to go through it. Okay, so understand that that little difference there. And then the third thing we want to see with this passage, folks, is God knows what's happening next. Amen. Hey, he has a plan. You know why that statement's so important? Think about it. Death brings to us a fear of the unknown, doesn't it? I mean, if it's our loved one that has passed, then it's, it's just all these questions. Man, what? who's going to take care of that? How am I going to go on without them? I, I, I don't even remember life without this person. You know, we can't process all that in the, in the, in the heart of grief, in the midst of that moment. And, and that fear, it kind of overwhelms us. We, we may be looking at our own death going, man, what, what happens? Is it dark? Is it scary? Is it cold? What's going to happen to me? Is this going to turn out? So we got all these unknown, all these questions surrounding death. And and that fills us with fear. Fills us with anxiety. And and you know what? We make bad decisions when we're fearful and anxious. 
We do wrong things when we're fearful and anxious. So in other words, folks, this isn't just about, oh, God wants us to feel okay as we go through this. No, we, we need these right answers so we don't end up moving in some wrong directions in the midst of our fear, in the midst of these unknowns. God wants us to know. And, and that's what the topic uh, is this morning. What, what happens next? Now, now, to start to unwrap this, I think, this is, this is an opinion, uh, I, I think part of our problem, and not really, it just all gets fuzzy out there, it is the word heaven, and we're going to talk about hell pretty equally today, both heaven and hell, we use those terms in a very general sense. But those words have both a general meaning and they have a specific meaning. But we really only tend to use it in the general meaning. And and what I mean by that is, is we say, okay, somebody has died. Well, if they died in Christ, if they're a child of God, then they go to heaven. They, we tend to say up, right? And, and if they died outside of Christ, if, if they, if they're not a child of God, then they go to hell. And so we say, okay, when somebody dies, they go to heaven or they go to hell. And that's really about all we think about it, isn't it? Other than maybe when they get their wings and become an angel. Okay. Did I mention that that's not the, I can't remember. Okay. So, you know, but we really, we don't, we don't really break that down any more than that. Now, is it wrong to say somebody goes to heaven or somebody goes to hell? No, it's not wrong. In a general sense, that is the absolute truth. It's not actually very accurate. Because you see, the word heaven and the word hell are not just big general ideas or big general places. They're also very specific places. Heaven is a creation. It is a place God has created and it is delivered. And and we'll see in scripture where there is a place in the future where we enter into that place that God delivers. So that's not where somebody is today. Same exact thing with hell. Hell is a creation. There is a place, there is an event where somebody enters into hell. So So that's not where they are at this moment. So, well, okay, you're freaking me out, Pastor. Where in the world are we then? Well, maybe a descriptive term would be intermediate. We're, we're in an intermediate heaven, an intermediate hell. I hope what I'm going to show you this morning is maybe a biblical phrase for that is, when we die, we go to paradise or we go to Hades. And, and, and folks, there actually is a difference between an intermediate heaven and between the future heaven. By the way, what we're looking at today is the intermediate heaven. What we're going to be looking at the rest of the series will be the the future heaven. But let me just give you a quick insight into into a little bit of the difference. Let's look at the the future heaven first. Because this is what we think of when we have it. Go to Revelation 21. Revelation 22 is the last page of the Bible. So just go to the end. If you get to maps, you've gone too far travel back a little bit. You should just be a page or two from the end of your, of your Bible. Uh, Revelation 21, look at verse 1. We're going to read to verse 4. Revelation 21, 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Okay, right now, quick question. Has the present earth and the present heaven passed away? Yeah, it's not a trick question. No, say it like you mean it. No, absolutely. Praise God. Okay, so the new heaven and the new earth is revealed. Our entrance into that is when the old heaven and the old earth have passed away. See, this is an event. This is a moment in time out there in the future. 
And I saw the holy city, verse 2, and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Now verse 4, this is what we think of when we think of heaven, isn't it? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For, and this phrase is exactly the same as what we just saw in verse 1. For the former things, the the, the earth as we know it, life as we know it, time as we know it, the presence of evil, all those former things have now passed away. But those things haven't passed away today, have they? So so what's going on when this heaven is delivered is all of that stuff is gone and we enter that place where there's no more tears, right? Man, everything is right. Everything is good. Everything is perfect. Now... Let me show you some people in heaven for whom this is not the exact same timing. And you're going to see a little bit of a difference. Look at Revelation chapter 6. Go back just a few chapters. Revelation 6 and look at verse 9. Revelation 6 verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. These are people who've what? Died. It's not a trick question. Say it like you mean it. They've died. Okay, never mind. Uh, So they've been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had born. born. They've died. They've gone to heaven. They're there in the presence of God. They cried out, verse 10, with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Quick question. Have the old things passed away? No, we're, we're in heaven but, but there's still stuff going on on earth. The, the, the evil is still, this evil is still present. How long before you avenge our blood? Verse 11. They, then they were each given a white robe and they were told to, told to rest. It's, it's, it's a little bit longer until the fellow number of, of those who are going to be martyred is, is added to you. Do you see what's going on, folks? Man, they're in heaven. They've got the perfection of God, the perfection of where they are with him. But not everything is, is right. This is a group of people that were actually murdered for their testimony in Christ. They were murdered for standing true to the word of God. And they're saying, hey, God, when that hasn't been reconciled. Lord, justice hasn't been done. When, when does that happen, Lord? There's an angst there, isn't there? And that angst isn't being resolved. Not in that moment. What, is, what, what are they told? Wait. It's not time yet. Rest. Now, folks, I don't want you to hear me saying this. I'm not trying to knock the shine off of, of, of going to heaven when we die, okay? I'm not trying to knock the shine off of, of what happens next. When you die as a child of God, you go to a place called paradise. You say, well, what's paradise? Hey, you think about what the word paradise is. It's paradise. You know, nobody goes to paradise and says, ah, this wasn't all cracked up what I thought it was going to be. It's, it's paradise. It's perfection. It is awesome. But folks, the timing of where we go next, the intermediate heaven and the future heaven, the big difference is not everything is fixed. We're going to see this morning, there's still a relationship between what we're doing in paradise and what's going on down here. And that does create some angst. 
that creates some hate. Not everything is like it is supposed to be. So you see just in that description, there's a little bit of difference between the intermediate heaven and the future heaven. Now, a passage, I think we can get some insight and get some information on, on what this intermediate heaven and intermediate hell look like uh, is Luke chapter 16. Go ahead and start turning there now. Luke 16, we're going to look at verses 19 to 31. Actually, this is a passage, obviously it's the, the passage says the same thing no matter when you read it. But we looked at this just a, a month or two ago, kind of in a, in a similar topic. But Luke 16, and you might remember I told you then that this is a parable. A parable is a made-up story. In other words, Jesus is going to be talking about a guy named Lazarus and this rich man. It's not the Lazarus that Jesus called out of the grave. This is just a character. Hey, I, I want to tell you a story to communicate an idea. And that's what a parable does. It communicates an idea. You don't normally read through a parable looking for five points. You're looking for the main idea, the, the main point. And, and actually, in this passage, I don't believe the main point is teaching on intermediate heaven or intermediate hell. But when Jesus tells parables... Remember the, the, the one we're about to read or the, the prodigal son or the mustard seed. When Jesus tells parables, they always relate to reality. He, he doesn't draw on lies. He doesn't draw from myths. He doesn't draw from fables. He, he doesn't draw from fairy tales. Whenever he's telling a story, it, it corresponds to how things really are in the world and how people relate and how they relate with each other, how they relate with nature, how they relate with God. So, so he always tells these stories based on reality. So for that reason, I think we can look at, because the context of this story is an intermediate heaven and an intermediate hell, and, and we can learn something. We can see something. So let's look at that now. Luke 16, and let me begin in verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. I was like, hey, Jesus, you didn't have to give that much information, right? I mean, really, that's, a, that's very detailed. Verse 22, the poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades being in torment. He lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then, then I beg you, father, to send, my, send to him to my father's house. Okay, stop right there. Are we talking about the new heaven and the new earth where everything has ceased to exist? No, hey, I'm here, but my five brothers are still alive on the earth as we know it, right? Okay, so this is this, is this intermediate time. Send them to my father's house, for I have five brothers lost as a ball in tall weeds. That's not what it says. It's what it says in the Latin. Uh, so that he may warn them, lest they may also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, this is such a powerful statement. They have Moses and the prophets. And, and that's... 
in this day and time, that's the way they would have said what you and I call the Old Testament. In other words, Abraham's answer to him is, I don't need to send somebody from that. They have the, they have the Bible. They've got everything they need to know. They've been warned about what is coming next. They, the information on how to be saved, it's all there. They've got the Bible. And so he says what I think a lot of us would say. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but, but if someone goes from them to them from the dead, boy, then they'll repent. He said, no, they won't. If they won't listen to the Bible that they've had in their hands their whole life, then they're not going to listen to somebody from the dead. Let me give you five quick observations here about what we just read. I don't know why I said quick. Uh, let me give you five observations here uh, about what we just said, learned here about an intermediate heaven, intermediate hell. First thing we saw is that when Lazarus, a child of God, dies, he was carried by angels. Won't that be a ride? Yeah, that's better than Bush Gardens or anywhere else, folks. That, that's going to be a ride. You don't become an angel, but boy, wow, you're carried by him. You'll be carried by angels immediately. Here he uses the phrase Abraham's side. Now, I used the word a moment ago, paradise. Where did I get that word? I got it from a guy we know. His name's Jesus. We trust him, don't we? And you remember when Jesus was on the cross? Now, he's not telling a parable here. When he's on the cross, this is a real event. This is really going on. And the thief next to him says, hey, when you come in your glory, when you come into your kingdom, will you remember me? And Jesus said, you know what? After a couple of thousand years of laying in the grave, I'm going to come. Is that what he said? No, he said today. Today. Not after being in the grave for thousands of years. Not after some kind of soul sleep. He said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. That sounds cool to me. I don't know about y'all. I think, yeah, I want some of that. Paradise, okay? You know what's interesting? Now, now the, the Bible doesn't say this. This is just me kind of imagining. The word for paradise literally means manicured garden. Walled in garden. I wonder if we go to the Garden of Eden. You know, I mean, that's... That was perfection, folks. That was God's beauty, his perfection. That was everything at its, at its very best. And he didn't destroy that place. He just removed it from our sphere. He just removed it from our ability to enter into it. Perhaps, I don't know, I don't even know that it makes any difference. Perhaps where we go is, is the Garden of Eden. Now, the most important thing to know about it is not where it is or what it's called. The most important thing to know, folks, is we're with God. Okay, these are verses. When I said this, I'm going to write these down. You know, in the front, where do I go when I die? What happens when I die? These are some great verses, both of them, both clearly communicating that to not be alive on this earth as a child of God, to not be alive on this earth is instantly, immediately, right now to be with God. We're in his presence. Memorize these, learn these things, have them ready for when life kicks you in the gut. Have them ready to use. Don't just fly off to the last idea that, that you've heard. So we are, are immediately with the Lord when we pass away. The second observation we want to make, and of course this is just the flip side. We see that the rich man, and he doesn't go to, to Hades because he's rich. He goes to Hades because he's outside of Christ. And, and, and he enters that place there called Hades, defined in the Bible as the place of the dead. It's not hell, because that happens later. So he goes to Hades. Now let me take number one and number two, these two observations, and, and make this observation. It appears, folks, that when we die, 
instantly and immediately the judgment of where we're going to spend eternity happens right then. And I say that because the scripture unfolds some other judgments. There's a place where all, the, all those who are not in Christ, they're going to be resurrected. They're going to be judged for their deeds. And then that's when they will enter what is called the lake of fire, what is called hell. It says very specifically, Satan will be there with them. The Antichrist will be there with them. If you want to write this down, that description is in Revelation 20, verse 11 and following. So that, that judgment happens out there. Believers at the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4 that we just read, we're going to be resurrected and we go through a judgment, not of heaven and hell, we go through a judgment of the rewards. Man, we're in heaven by grace. But your life of obedience, your life of faithfulness is, is going to be measured. It's going to be judged, and that'll be the basis of the rewards that you use to worship, that you use to serve. That'll be that'll be what you carry into eternity. So there are these judgments that happen out there in the future, but instantly when we die, you go to the place that best represents where you're going to be spending eternity. For the believer, it's not just a holding place. Man, your reward, the joy begins. And clearly what we read right here about this rich guy, the suffering begins, doesn't it? Did you see the words in there? Anguish, torment, flames. Could I just, could I just have the, 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 the water? If you just put your finger in the water, just the drop that might come off your finger. Could, could I have that drop? Okay, hadn't been judged yet, not in hell yet, but clearly the suffering begins. Now, kind of some practical questions that comes along with this. Okay, so what do I look like? When I'm, when I'm in Hades, when I'm in paradise, do, do I look the same? Do, do I have my name? Do I have my memory? Well, that's kind of our third observation here, folks. It, it appears from the story that the rich man, that Lazarus, that Abraham, they all maintain their identity from the earth. They, they all maintain their identity from the past. And here again, you say, well, it, would that be true? Because Jesus is just telling a story. But in actual events in Scripture, we see the same thing. You remember Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the mount, and he transfigures before them. He shows them, hey, I'm going to show you guys real quickly. Put on your sunglasses. This is going to burn. I'm going to show you what I look like in heaven. And, and, they, and they see him in his glory. And it says that Moses and Elijah appear to them. I read that, but I always wonder, how'd they know it was Moses and Elijah? Maybe they had their names on the back of their jersey? I don't know. I, how, how did they know? But they did. And you know, as they're writing that down, they say, hey, wow, look at that. In paradise, you have three heads. Now, I say that, that's not to be funny. If we look like really radically different, don't you think somebody would say, hey, wow, look at that. But nothing unique is noted. N- nothing is different is noted. Of, hey, it's Moses, it's Elijah. They have the same identity that they had on earth, and it appears they have a body much like they had on earth. Now, that takes us back to this question, well, what about 1 Thessalonians 4? It says our body is going to rise. Yeah, when we die, our body's in the grave, or it's been destroyed by fire, or eaten by a shark, or it's just disintegrated. Whatever happens to our body happens, you're not your body. Yeah, you have a soul, and that soul goes to heaven, but it appears that we get a temporary body. Now, I don't know. Why do we get a temporary body, and then X amount of time later, we get a a permanent new body? Why doesn't God just make that one thing? I don't know. You can ask him when you get there. 
But it does appear because Moses and Elijah have not received their permanent body. Because that, 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 we know when that happens. That happens at the rapture. So it appears that we get some kind of temporary body. And, and that we look, we communicate, we relate, we remember everything from earth. We relate and communicate every, everything the same when we're in paradise or in Hades. You see this. They're, they're communicating. They're talking. Both have a knowledge of, of where they were in life, where they are now. They both have a knowledge of what's, uh, of what's going on right now. And that's the fourth observation, folks. It appears that we have some kind of consciousness, not only of our past, but we have a consciousness of what's going on on the earth while we're in Hades or while we're in paradise. We, we, we know. I, I mean, you, you saw the story here. He knows the condition of his five brothers, doesn't he? He didn't say, now I know when I died they weren't saved. No, he says, man, send them right now today. They're not. That's it. He, he knows currently the city. We read Revelation 6 a moment ago. They know from the past, hey, I, I was killed. I was murdered for my faith. But they also know presently that nothing has changed on earth. That the, the, the situation that created that has not been resolved. Justice has not been done. So they know the past. They know the, the current situation. I, I think of another. Again, this is not a parable, but an actual event. It's a little bit of a different story in the Bible, in the Old Testament. There's a guy named King Saul. And uh, he's not walking with the Lord. He's fallen away from the Lord. And, and he can't get answers. He can't leader, get leadership. So he, he decides to dialogue up an old friend, an old prophet by the name of Samuel. And when I say dialed up, here's the problem. Samuel's dead. Samuel's already died and he goes and uses, that's what I said, it's a little bit of a different story for the Bible. He uses a psychic, he uses a medium and, and he brings Samuel back. And, and when Samuel starts to approach him here again, they immediately know each other. They immediately know the past that they had with each other. And immediately, with no information being shared, Samuel knows what is currently going on in King Saul's life. So so it appears we have a a consciousness. Now, you know, if you stop and think about it, that's that's a little creepy, isn't it? I mean, do do you want all your loved ones that have gone before you, like, staring at your life? I mean, can they see me in the shower? Because that'd be just weird, wouldn't it? You know, I, I, I don't know, folks. I don't know that this is saying that all of paradise is literally just peering over and like watching a TV and, and watching your life and every single word, every single... I don't know that that's what it's saying. I do think it's very clearly saying they absolutely have a general working knowledge of your situation, of your life, uh, of, of what is going on. And, you know, I, I thought, man, if I... You know, if I'm in heaven and I see one of my kids suffering and, and, and maybe they're not walking with the Lord, well, that would just take some of the edge off of heaven, wouldn't it? I, I don't know if I want to see that. I don't want to know. But here again, we're in the intermediate heaven. And, and I, I think there, there, there can be grief. The Holy Spirit grieves, doesn't he? Every time he sees you and me sin, he grieves. That hurts. You know, Revelation 6, those martyrs, they were grieving a situation that had not been reconciled. Hey, you know, here's the good news is, folks, that that person that loves you that's gone before you, if they see you hurting, they see you suffering, you know you've got somebody right there in the presence of God talking to him about your behalf. That's what the, the martyrs in Revelation say. Man, they're praying. They're, they're crying out to the Lord about the situation. So it's kind of exciting to think somebody who knows you, loves you, might be talking to God about you right now. 
what's going on in your life. Last observation. Boy, this is a simple one and a clear one. Folks, when we die, eternity's set. Did you see how it was explained in here? There's a chasm. There's a gulf. There's a hole, a big Grand Canyon-sized hole between paradise and between Hades. And there's no crossing. You don't get to the other side of death and say, oh, gosh, I was just about to do. If I'd have had, yeah. boy, if they had one more inning, they'd have won the game, right? You ever heard that? Boy, if we just were this, this, this much. You're not going to get one more day once you see how it all comes clear. Once you draw the last breath. Eternity is set. So let me wrap this up. Let me sum it up. Where do we go when we die? The unbeliever, when he draws his last breath, is instantly ushered into Hades. It's a place of torment. It's a place of anguish. It's not hell, but the suffering begins. All unbelievers of all time are resurrected at the great white throne judgment. Again, Revelation 20, verse 11. They'll be judged for their deeds. And right from there, they go into what we call hell. They go into the lake of fire with Satan and the Antichrist. All believers, those who are in Christ, immediately go into paradise. Carried by angels. Looking forward to that ride. Amen. Carried by angels into paradise where we are in the presence of God. At the rapture, regardless of where you believe the rapture to be, at the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4, believers are raised. Believers who are still alive go up to meet the Lord in the air. And that's when our judgment happens for the rewards that we'll carry into eternity. Now, in my view of how the end times flow out, that, that, that judgment will be going on while the tribulation is happening on earth. Then there's the second coming where we come as an army with Christ. And then we enter the millennial reign. There's a thousand years of Christ rule in Jerusalem uh, on this earth physically with life as we know it now going on. And then after that is when we see the new heaven and the new earth. That's after the great white throne. After a couple of other little details are are cleaned up, then we have the new heaven and the new earth delivered. That's what happens to us when we die. We should know that. We should understand it. We should communicate it. We should teach it. We should anchor our lives to it because death's coming, is it not? It's always coming. Why why are we shocked? It's, It's always coming and God has answers. Did you hear that phrase? Brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed about what's happening. And the whole entire discussion, I I, I can't think of another discussion in the Bible as much that begs the question, where are you going when you die? Because as we saw last week, God wants you to know. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd move through this room right now. And as I'm, I'm praying almost the exact same as I prayed last week, Holy Spirit, if they're a believer, if they're in Christ, then confirm that in them. I, I, I pray there's, there's no doubt, there's no question, but there is a security, there is a confidence that I'm in Christ. My life is in Christ and I'm on my way to paradise whenever I draw that last breath in this earth as we know it. And Lord, if there are any in here right now who are maybe resting on, trusting in their good works... Maybe their, their, their church history, their church pedigree. Maybe they're trusting in what others think about them. If they're not a child of God, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you witness that to them right now? In your love and your grace, let them know you're not, you're not ready for this. You're not a, a child of God. And Lord, may today be the day 
May today be the day they set their eternity for paradise. We ask your help in this, your guidance in this. We ask for your voice right here, right now for every single person. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.